Our youngest daughter, Paree, uh, is almost one now, which is hard to believe. It's gone so quickly. She'll have her first birthday in just two weeks' time on the 22nd of December. But, you know, we still think of her as our little baby, and really she is still a little baby. She does all those kind of baby things, like she's only just learning to crawl now. Uh, she tries to pull herself up on stuff and stand, but she can't really do it. She's just learnt to, to wave hello and goodbye, and I'm sure she can almost say dad. Uh, she's our little baby, and we absolutely love her. But we also know that she's more than just a baby. She's a person. And so sometimes Sarah, my wife and I, we have fun trying to figure out uh, who is the person behind the baby. You know, what kind of person will she be in two or three or four years' time? What kind of person will she be when she starts high school? What kind of person will she be when she finishes high school? What will she be like as an adult? What kind of things will she do as she grows up? It's fun thinking about our little baby and trying to think about the person behind the baby. Well, that's the kind of thing that we're going to do together this morning. We're going to think about the person behind the baby at Christmas. Because it can be easy at Christmas time just getting caught up thinking about the little baby in the manger. But Christmas is about far more than just a baby. We've already seen it at the start of Mark. You might have noticed as it was read for us. Mark doesn't say anything about Mary and Joseph. Mark doesn't say anything at all about baby Jesus. Mark doesn't say anything about shepherds or wise men or gold or frankincense or myrrh or angels or stars leading the way. Mark doesn't say anything about any of that stuff because Christmas is about more than just a baby. It's about the man behind the baby. Now, the great thing about Mark's gospel is that we don't have to make guesses. We don't have to try and imagine what kind of person he will be. We don't have to try and guess what kind of things he will do. Because Mark has gone to great pains to make sure that we know that the man behind the baby at Christmas is Jesus, the Lord of all. So as we begin this morning thinking about the man behind the baby, let's start from the beginning. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. And what we'll see here is that Jesus is both the judge and the comforter. So Mark 1 and verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now what have those verses got to do with Jesus being both judge and comforter? Well, it's all wrapped up in that quote from Isaiah, which, if you look closely, is actually two quotes. The first bit is actually from Malachi, and the second bit is from Isaiah. Now, to understand what those two quotes are really telling us about Jesus, we're going to have to uh, go back, do a bit of digging, and look at them in context. So let's start by having a look at the first half of that quote. It's there in verse 2. Have a look with me again. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. And that's a quote from Malachi chapter 3. And back in Malachi, in context, it makes it clear that when the Lord comes... 
He will come in judgment. He will come to purify and to refine his people from unrighteousness. So let's have a look. It's going to be up on the screen. Malachi 3. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. You see, friends, right at the start of his gospel, Mark wants us to see that Jesus, the man behind the baby, is not just Jesus meek and mild. But he is Jesus, the judge of all the earth. And he has come to refine. And he has come to purify. And he has come near in judgment. And the day of his coming is an awesome day. A day when no one will, a day that no one can endure. A day when no one stands. He has come to take on sin and evil and to crush them underfoot. And to utterly, utterly defeat them. And he has come to confront our sinfulness. He has come to confront our unrighteousness, our ungodliness, our unholiness, our smugness. He has come to confront our self-satisfaction, our self-assuredness, our self-righteousness, our pride. He has come to confront our half-heartedness and our double-mindedness. Friends, make no mistake, Jesus the man behind the baby, is the judge of all the earth. And he judges in righteousness and truth. And sin and disobedience and rebellion, it will not be tolerated. It will not endure. It will not stand. And look, in the face of this, the only right response is to repent. The only right response is to turn away from sin and to turn to Christ in humility and to ask for forgiveness. Which was exactly John's message, wasn't it? Have a look there in Mark chapter 1 and verse 4. And so John came, baptising in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John was calling on people from everywhere to repent. That's how he prepared the way for Jesus. The judge of all the earth is coming. Repent of your sins so you might be forgiven. And friends, that is the only right response for us too. And so this Christmas, as we remember Jesus, the judge of all the earth, we ought to turn away from our sins. We ought to turn away from disobedience and rebellion. And we ought to turn to Christ in humility and ask for forgiveness. And you know what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive. 
which is a wonderful truth, isn't it? And that's what the second half of that quote from Isaiah is getting at. It's there in verse 3. Have a look again with me. Mark 1, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now, this bit of the quote, it is actually from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. And there, again, in context, it makes it clear that when the Lord comes, he will come to comfort his people. He will come to declare to his people that their sins have been paid for. Let's have a look. It'll be on the screen again. Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the desert prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends, aren't those wonderful words? Jesus has come to comfort his people. Jesus has come to speak tenderly to his people. Jesus has come to declare to his people that their sins have been paid for, that they have been forgiven. And this is such wonderful news that a highway has been built in the wilderness. Valleys have been filled in, hills have been flattened, rugged places have been smoothed out so that Jesus, the man behind the baby, can come and comfort his people and declare forgiveness of sins. So friends, this Christmas, in the midst of Christmas trees and food and family and presents and wrapping paper, this Christmas, as the baby in the manger takes centre stage, let's not lose sight of the fact that Jesus has come to declare that sin has been paid for, that his people are forgiven. Let's not lose sight of the fact that Jesus has come to bring comfort without measure. You see, friends, Christmas is about far more than just a baby. It's about Jesus, the man behind the baby, the one who is both judge and comforter. But look, Mark has a lot more to say to us about Jesus. So let's pick it up from verse 9. Mark 1 and verse 9. And as we read, keep an ear out this time, particularly for God's words. Because what they'll reveal to us is that Jesus is also both conquering king and suffering servant. So verse 9. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. They're simple enough words, aren't they? 
But friends, those words convey a massively important idea. Because in those words, God is picking up what has been said about two huge Old Testament figures and he's bringing them together and saying, my son Jesus, he is both of these rolled into one. That first bit there, you are my son, that's picking up on Psalm 2, a psalm all about God's chosen king, our conquering king who rules over the ends of the earth. Let's have a look. It's on the screen again. Psalm 2. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Look, Mark wants us to know again, Jesus, the man behind the baby, is the all-conquering king. He is God's chosen king. To Jesus, God has given the nations as an inheritance. To Jesus, God has given the ends of the earth as a possession. To Jesus, God has given the right and the power and the authority to rule with an iron scepter and to smash his enemies to pieces. Jesus is an all-conquering king. And so absolutely it's good and right to sing, Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. Absolutely, it is good and right at Christmas time to teach our children that Jesus was born as the King. But what does that even mean? What do we mean when we sing that Jesus is the newborn King? What do we mean when we teach our children that Jesus is the King? Psalm 2 makes it clear. Jesus is not a King to be trifled with, He rules with all power. And all authority. Therefore, be wise. Be warned. Serve him with fear. Tremble before him. Repent and submit to him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. And his wrath, his righteous anger at sin and disobedience and rebellion, it is terrible. It is a terrible thing. So be warned. Be wise. Jesus, the man behind the baby at Christmas, is an all-conquering king. And yet blessed are all who take refuge in him. You see, the truth is, Jesus, he is not just the conquering king. He is also the suffering servant. Have a look with me again at verse 11. A voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now the second bit of what God says there, it echoes what he said to the suffering servant in Isaiah. Here it is. Here is my servant whom I uphold, whom I love, my chosen one in whom I delight. 
You see, friends, Jesus is the suffering servant spoken of in Isaiah. Now, what does that mean? Well, a little later on in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, we're told a whole bunch of stuff about this suffering servant. It would well be worth your while looking it up later on today. But basically, what we're told is that the suffering servant, Jesus, he was despised and he was rejected. He was familiar with suffering. He took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we have been healed. Friends, we were all like sheep going astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, and so he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Because of our sins, because of our iniquity, because of our disobedience and rebellion, he was assigned a grave with the wicked. And friends, make no mistake. Because Jesus, the suffering servant, bore the sins of many, he is able to justify many. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And so you see, Christmas is about far more than just a baby. It is about Jesus, the one who is both all-conquering king and suffering servant. Now, if this is all true, if Christmas really is all about Jesus, the man behind the baby, then what difference should it make? How can we make sure that Christmas is about more than just a baby? You know what, as far as Mark's concerned, the 25th of December, it is just like any other day. Just like today, the 8th of December. It's just like Australia Day. It's just like Anzac Day. It's just like Mother's Day. It's just like any other day. Christmas Day is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news about Jesus, the Lord of all, who was crucified for our sin and who was raised to life for our justification and who rules even now. And look, as a church, we have got two fantastic opportunities to join in proclaiming the gospel. Our Carols by Twilight is coming up next weekend. There's still invites out the back. Why not grab one this morning and give it to a friend? Invite them along. Give it to a neighbour. Give it to a workmate. And really, Carols is an easy thing to invite someone to. And they will hear the gospel. Our Christmas Day meetings are another fantastic opportunity to join in proclaiming the gospel. Christmas is one of those funny times of year where people seem to be open to coming along to church. So prayerfully think about who you know that you can invite and then pray and then invite them. G'day Rob, we're going to church on Christmas Day. I was wondering if you guys might be interested in coming too. And they will hear the gospel. What else can we do to make sure that Christmas is about more than just a baby? Well, there are stacks of things you could do. Here are a few little practical things you can do. 
We've already seen, right, that Mark doesn't say anything about a star leading the way at Christmas time. So this Christmas, as well as putting a star on top of your Christmas tree, why not also hang a little cross somewhere on the tree? A simple reminder that Christmas is about Jesus. And then, of course, as a family, and especially as parents, be prepared to share the reason for why you've put it there. Share that it's because you think Christmas is about more than just a baby. Share that it's because you think Christmas is about Jesus, the one who bore the sins of many so that he could justify many. We've also seen that Mark doesn't say anything about Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in a manger. So this Christmas, why not borrow Colin Buchanan's candy cane idea? As well as having your little nativity scene set up somewhere, why not have a bunch of candy canes, the red and white ones? You know what I'm talking about? Use them as a way to tell the gospel to your kids, to visitors who come into your home, to your friends. Use the candy cane as a reminder of God's amazing grace. The red, the blood of Jesus as he suffered in our place. The white, the full forgiveness one as Jesus rose again. Mark doesn't say anything about wise men or gifts of gold or frankincense or myrrh. He doesn't say anything about the gift that Jesus is to us at Christmas. So this Christmas, when you sit down to open your presents and you pray before you do that, by all means, thank God for the wonderful gift that Christ is to us. But remember to also pray, confessing your sins. Say sorry to God for the ways that you've ignored him. Say sorry to God for the times that you've turned your back on him and disobeyed him. Tell him that you're sorry. Tell him that you want to stop living your own way. Tell him that you repent. Tell him that you want to submit to him as Lord and ask for forgiveness. And this Christmas, please tell your kids that Jesus was born as king. But get beyond the baby. Flesh out what it means for Jesus to be the king. Talk about how he came as the judge of all the earth that the ends of the earth are his, that he will judge and punish disobedience and sin and rebellion and talk about how he came to comfort his people and to declare to them that their sins have been paid for. Talk about how he came as the all-conquering king, that the nations are his, that he rules with an iron scepter, that he will smash his enemies to pieces, that his wrath at disobedience and rebellion and sin is terrible, that we need to repent and submit to him. And talk to your kids about how he came as the suffering servant who was despised and rejected and beaten and mocked and ridiculed and pierced for our sins and who bore the sins of many so that he might justify many. This Christmas, talk about what it really means for Jesus to be the King, the Lord of all, the Lord of Christmas. Friends, you might have other ways that you make sure that Christmas is about more than just a baby, and I hope you do. So share them with each other. Share the ways that you, uh, share your ideas for using Christmas to proclaim the gospel. Share your ideas for making sure that Christmas is about glorifying Jesus. 
But look, whatever you do this Christmas, let's make sure it's about more than just a baby. Let me pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your grace that is beyond our understanding and our comprehension. Your grace that led you to send your son to become a baby, born in weakness and filth. Father, we thank you that in your wonderful grace and mercy and in your sovereignty that he grew up and that he allowed himself to be crucified on the cross, that he allowed himself to be pierced for our sins, and that you raised him back to life, defeating sin, crushing his enemies once and for all. Father, we thank you that through faith in him, we can be justified and forgiven. We do thank you for the wonderful news that Christ came to comfort his people to declare that sins have been paid for. And so we pray that we might trust him. Father, especially this Christmas, we want to be people who bring glory and honour to your son, Jesus, the judge of all the earth, the comforter, the all-conquering king and the suffering servant. We pray, please use us to do this. Amen.